If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to one verse of Scripture this morning. In fact, uh, Jamie's job is really easy. I just said, put that Scripture up and leave it there the entire time. It is not only my message, it is the outline of my message. In fact, read it and we can... No, I'm, I, I'm kidding. I, I, we, we, uh, this verse of Scripture I have... Uh, gone to in the past uh, in a different translation, and I'm just using the NIV this morning. Uh, but the Bible says this. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. There are times in our lives where all of us are aware of this, where we are, we find ourselves in great difficulty. We find ourselves in moments of pain, frustration. At other times, it's expectation, but we don't see what we have, what we're hoping for yet. That's the whole point of expectation. Paul talks a lot about that in the book of Romans. He says, if you have what you're hoping for, there's no need to hope anymore. You have it. But we have expectations in our minds and in our hearts. Now, here's the thing. The one thing I want to focus on in this scripture is really the first part of it. And that is the one thing that we are often challenged in. And the title of this message, if you're wondering what that is, it's three B's to keep you busy. Three B's to keep you busy. And we often get busy with a lot of things in life. If we would come back to this scripture and find out what it is that God wants us to be busy with, we wouldn't have time for some of the other things that throw us into confusion, that throw us into uh, a moment of, of frustration or throws us into a moment of, God, I don't understand what's going on. But instead, our focus can be on what the Word of God says. And he says in this, the very first thing he says is be joyful in hope. That word joyful in the NIV, as, it, as it's translated, it literally means to rejoice. Now, most of us go through our week dreading one day after another. If you're not like me, maybe you're the kind of individual who says, I wake up every morning with a bounce in my step, and I'm so happy to be going to work or wherever that might be, if it's going to your dining room table or if it's going to an actual job, whatever the case is, and you're happy, you're, you're happy, then I need to talk to you afterwards and find out what your secret is because there are times I wake up and I think, oh, God, please, not again. That's not being joyful. There's no rejoicing in that. Paul says these words. He says, rejoice in hope. Not the hope of, I'm going to a job that's going to pay me money and help supply my needs. Not that kind of hope. This is a different kind of hope. It is an expectation. Not in things of this earth that are constantly changing. If there is anything that you and I learned over the last year and a half, it is you cannot depend on anything that happens in this life. Absolutely nothing. 
There is nothing in this world that you and I can hope in and trust in. So where is our hope and how can we rejoice? The only way is to understand that what Paul is talking about is a divine expectation that God is not only in control of my life, but he is preparing my life in advance. I have something that I can look forward to because God is in charge. I realize that might be difficult for many of us to think and feel and all of that. That's why the Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. He says, be joyful or rejoice in hope. The word hope in Scripture is not the same way that you and I use the word in ordinary everyday life. We say, I hope this is going to happen. We don't have a confident expectation. We don't, we don't somehow believe that that particular thing is going to happen, but the hope that is found in the word of God is, in fact, it literally means a confident expectation of something. You can only have that when you put your hope in God. You can't have it when you put your hope in one another. When you put your hope in family or friends, well, we like to think that we can have that kind of hope in one another, but we all let each other down at some point or another. Not saying it's right. I'm simply saying we are human. It happens. But when you put your hope in God, there is a confident expectation that what he has revealed in his word and he has said in his word, it actually will come true. It will happen in your life. And everybody wants to know how long. We'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a second because that's part of this. You see my outline. It's right there. You see the whole content of the message. It's right there. It's just what Paul is saying. We'll get to that in a second. But there is an expectation. Look, I realize you might not be able to expect that tomorrow you're going to wake up and even have a job. Or tomorrow you wake up and if you need one, you got to go find one, that you can find one tomorrow. You might not have that expectation that a family member that is far away from God and you've been praying for them to come back to the Lord, that they will actually come back to the Lord. You may not be able to have that in anything that you have tried in and of yourself. But I want to tell you that when we change our, our focus and we put our attention on him and we say, Lord, my hope, my expectation is not in myself. It's not in what anybody around me can do for me, but my hope is in you and you alone. You can have a confident expectation in what God is able to do both for you and then in you and then finally through you because that's really what he wants to do is he wants to work through you. So Paul says it, be joyful, rejoice in hope. Look, I realize that may be difficult. Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand the, the difficulties of my life. You don't know what is going on. And you're right, I might not. I might not know everything that you're dealing with as an individual, everything that you're going through as a person. But I want you to know today that there is somebody who knows exactly as we sang in that last song that he knows the depths of your heart. He knows everything about you, and he is all-powerful enough to be able to change the outcome of your situation. If we will put our hope and our trust in the Lord, today you and I have a reason to rejoice. 
And it's because of him. It's because of him. The next thing Paul says is this. Be patient in affliction. Paul, you had to go there, didn't you? Be patient in affliction. We read about affliction from the very beginning in Genesis all the way through to the very end. And in fact, this idea of being patient is somewhat still foreign to us. That's why we need, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, to have patience. It's, we've got to depend on God for us to be patient in certain circumstances. But I want to go even a little deeper with the idea of being patient because the word could be translated in different ways. It could be translated this way, and I personally kind of prefer this, and you see this actually in different passages of Scripture throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, but it can also be translated to endure. You see, for many of us, we, we have the idea of being patient as doing nothing. We just kind of sit around, be patient. And most of us, when it comes to patience, we're impatient. We just don't have the length of patience that we need. And we're just sitting there and waiting and waiting. But the idea behind this, this word in the Bible is that of endurance, I want to tell you the, high, the idea behind endurance has, and as, as the writer of Hebrews tells us and lets us know is that we need to run with endurance or perseverance the race that is set out before us, that running after him and we endure. There are things that come against us, things that will weigh upon us, things that don't work out the way that we want them to. And sometimes we sit back and we say, God, now I'm going to try to be patient. And all the while God is saying, yes, but have the right idea behind that, and that is to endure that affliction, go through that trouble, go through that difficulty, and keep moving forward. We sometimes want to just back off and get lazy. No runner in a race sits at the starting line and say, I'm just going to be patient. <laughs> they have to run. And they have, when all of a sudden they hit that, they hit that moment where their body says, you know what, not sure you've trained enough for this. And their body says, ah, oh, this is tough. This is hard. This is a difficult spot. You're, you're, you know, you're at, you're at 400 meters. You're supposed to go 800. And now your body is saying at 400 meters, that's enough. You have to keep going. You have to endure the pain. You have to endure the shortness of breath. You have to keep on going. That's patience. That's moving forward. You're not stopping and saying, well, I'm just going to hope that I come in first right here. Let me just stop now. That's not how it works. You and I have to keep moving forward. Keep going. Endure. Don't just sit around and say, well, God, I'm just going to wait for you to do it. Endure. Keep moving and do what God desires you to do. Another way it can be translated is to remain. Well, that has the idea of waiting. But at the same time, it's also not just waiting. It's waiting upon him. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. This is not about you just sort of sitting back and just kind of saying, well, God's going to do it somewhere, somehow, and I'm not going to do anything. No, this is you remaining in him, strengthened by him, or waiting upon him. But all the while, we have to endure as we run with perseverance the race that is marked out in front of us. But he says this, be patient in what? Affliction. 
Now, this is painful. This is, this, is, this is the moments in our lives where nothing goes the way that we want it to go. The affliction is sometimes physical, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it is mental. Those afflictions come to us and those things happen to us. But he says this, you have to be patient or keep enduring through that affliction. Or another way of looking at that word is trouble or tribulation. It's things that are happening to you that you can't shut down and you can't stop. They arrive at your doorstep as if it were a gift from the enemy and you can't send it back. You ever have that package show up? I didn't order that. No, not anymore. They just leave it at your door and don't ring the doorbell, right? It just, and then somebody steals it and then you're liable for it. <laughs> Porch pirates. You, this is oftentimes how our trouble comes. It's just handed to us. It's right there. It's, it's put upon us, and we can't do anything about it. But he says this. He says, be patient in that trouble or in that tribulation. Be patient. Listen, listen. I, I didn't put it on there. See, I told you, leave up one verse of Scripture, but I'm going to read another one. Listen to this. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord he turned to me and he heard my cry. Now, this is getting very much into my last point. And I'm going to get there in just a second. But listen, he says there's this affliction. We have to be patient in affliction. If there's anybody who knew about affliction, it was the Apostle Paul. Paul went through all kinds of afflictions. You read the book of Acts, you read through the New Testament, and later as he's writing his epistles, he begins to list some of the things that he has been through. I was just reading in the book of Acts recently, and one of the, one of the things, they, they literally threw stones at Paul. They tried to stone him to death. They thought he was dead, dragged him outside of the city, and dropped him there. Said, there you go. That's what you get for coming into our city and preaching the gospel. And the brothers and sisters go out, and all of a sudden Paul gets up, you know what Paul does? He goes right back into the city and he preaches the gospel a little more. And people get saved. Well, I want to tell you that is patience in affliction. There is trouble. There is tribulation that comes your way. We are not to back down when the enemy comes in and he says, I am going to have my way. He won't have his way. God will have his way in your life. You put your trust in him and be patient in that affliction. There is one final thing. Be faithful. In prayer. Be faithful in prayer. I just read it in Psalm 40 and verse 1. Let me tell you that one verse of scripture again. He says this. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and heard my cry. That's prayer. Say, you know, pastor, sometimes I'm so down and discouraged that all I do is just cry before the Lord. Oh, I want to tell you there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. He hears your cry. He hears the pain of your heart. He sees it. He knows it. He knows what's going on. But the Bible says here to be faithful in prayer. It's an interesting thing because it kind of goes hand in hand with patience. In one sense, it also can be translated to persevere in. So in other words, it's not just persevering in affliction, 
but it's also realizing you can't persevere in affliction without tapping into the presence of the Lord and saying, God, you've got to give me the strength to get through. So we've got to then persevere in prayer. You might have a hard time going through what you're going through and dealing with it, but the only way, I want to tell you, the only way that you're going to make it is going to be as you are faithful in prayer. If there is anything that the devil wants to rob from your life, it is your prayer life. It is what it is that you do to connect to God. It is the word and prayer. There is always something that you're going to find, especially in our day and age, with all of the, the, you know, the things that we have, the distractions that we have, that will get in the way of being in the presence of the Lord we cannot do without it. We cannot do without him. And the only way that we are going to make it in our affliction and be patient in our affliction and rejoice in hope is to connect to the one who is the object of our hope. And that happens through prayer. Be faithful. That word can also be translated. And I love this, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to describe it as I, as I feel it in my heart, but it is to be close at hand. The idea behind faithful, and we often think of faithfulness as being true, but this, this has the, the same sense of being close at hand. In other words, the idea of being faithful to prayer is that it is your go-to thing in a moment of need. It is that one thing that you run to. Now, most of us, what we do is we run to our phone and we text, you know, a close friend or a family member or somebody to help us. But this is be faithful or be, have close at hand the idea of praying or in prayer, being in prayer. Have that be, at clo be close to your life in such a way where it is that one thing that you depend on to help get you through. It's close at hand. Be faithful in prayer. The constant weapon of every believer against the enemy and the constant place of refuge from all the storms of life is prayer. It is that one part of your weapon. Remember in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, Paul talks about the, the whole armor of God, putting on the whole armor of God. And then as he gets to verse 18, he gets into there and he says this and he says, and pray. And he talks about prayer. Prayer is not only along with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, but prayer is part of your weaponry against the enemy. Do you know the enemy hates that you are a believer? The enemy hates that you have said, Lord, I trust in what you did at the cross for me when you died for my sins and, and you gave your life for me. The enemy hates that. And if there is one thing that he wants to do is he wants to come at you in a way that will somehow shake you and get you to stop praying. Well, I prayed and it didn't work. Whoever said the idea of praying is to make it work as if it's a microwave and you stick a dish in it. It's not. It is your connection to Almighty God. It is your relationship with Almighty God. Prayer is not so that God will fix something for you. Just spent a few days with my mother up in Maine, and we just walked around her, her little abode and realized there are a few things that need fixing. Now, I, unfortunately, I don't have the wherewithal, the understanding to be able to be the one to fix it, but I could tell something was wrong. There were a few things that needed fixing. 
Now, there is going to be a specialist who has to come in, somebody who knows what they're doing to be able to fix those things and take care of them. And sometimes we treat God like Mr. Fix-It, like as if somehow he's supposed to show up and just fix everything that's going on. And then we don't do anything in prayer when he does. No, prayer is about a relationship. It is about that relationship because there is an enemy who is trying to destroy you and the only way for you to come combat the enemy and come against the enemy is through the avenue of prayer to give you the weapon that you need to be able to place it against him. But in the end, it is also that place of refuge in your life against the storms of life. You know, we often talk about, and I've talked about the storms that the disciples went through out on the boat, and the one that just always, you know, comes to mind. It's not the one where Jesus wasn't in the boat. It was the one where he was there. And we know the story. We know that they, you know, Jesus was asleep in the boat, and there were all kinds of, you know, the, the wind came up, and the waves were just so big that even... Even the the most seasoned fishermen that were in the boat were afraid. And they went to to Jesus and they woke him up and said, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to (laughs) die? Well, they had the the view that somehow something really bad was going to happen. But I love the fact that in spite of the fact Jesus is going to rebuke the winds and the waves and their lack of faith, they went to Jesus. One thing you have to remember is it's, it's that prayer is that one thing that you and I have that even though we might think all of these things are going to kill us, we go to Jesus. These disciples went to him. They didn't do anything else. They woke him up. Now, Jesus clearly was, a, he was tired. He was on this earth as a man. He was experiencing everything as a man. But he was tired. He was asleep in the boat. And they're worried about what's going to happen. They went to Jesus. When you're worried, go to Jesus. When you're afraid, go to Jesus. When you don't know what to do, go to him. When you don't know what tomorrow holds, go to him. He Find in him that one who is able to help you through. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and just say, Lord, help me. Help me to do what this scripture tells me to do. Help me to do this one, these three things that we find here. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. So often we try to do it on our own. You're not going to make it on your own. You're only going to make it with him. So today, Lord, I pray for your people. We pray right now in the name of Jesus against the enemy who would come to try to distract and destroy. Father, we come against the enemy and all that you would try to do, and I pray that you would help us, Lord, to recognize that you love us. Father, I pray right now for Dorothy. I pray you'd set her free. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would help her and strengthen her. I pray, Lord, for each and every one in this congregation today that are going through struggles that they don't know what to do about. God, I pray that they will look up to you and trust in you 
and no one else. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would learn to be faithful in prayer, oh God. No matter what we feel in the moment, may we be faithful to call upon you, not so that you come and you somehow fix something, but so that we know you more and more and more, and we know the depths of your love for each and every one of us. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would have your way in our lives. Lord, I thank you today. You've got, our, you've got our life in the palm of your hand. You've got it all planned out. And Lord God, the one part of the expectation, oh God, that we often don't think about is that expectation of eternal life. That time that will come where we will be in your presence, Lord. Help us to recognize that, Lord, it's not just about right here in this moment. But, Lord, we have a hope and a future because of the eternal life that you gave to each and every one of us. We thank you, O oh God. Father, we pray for Pastor and Elizabeth. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. Encourage their spirit, oh God. I pray that you would lift them above every struggle, every difficulty. Father, I pray that you would touch them physically. I pray, Lord, that you would touch them spiritually, touch them emotionally. God, in every way, we pray, Lord, that you would provide for them, oh Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Surround them, oh God, I pray, with songs of deliverance, oh God. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for all that you're going to do. There is nothing that you cannot do and so Lord today we put our hope and we put our trust in you in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus God we are grateful for all that you've done and all that you're going to do and I pray today that before we leave this place we would simply commit in our hearts to do the very thing that Paul has told us to do in this verse of scripture in the precious and a wonderful name of Jesus. We are yours, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen and amen. I'm so glad that you were here today. Before you leave, just turn and greet each other. In the love of the Lord, as you feel comfortable, God bless you.